0: Welcome to the Deep Dives podcast here on the No Ceilings NBA podcast network. I am your host, Nick Agar Johnson, and I have back once again, the conductor of chaos to take us on a tour around the world, Tyler Rucker. Tyler, how are you doing this fine afternoon?
1: I'm doing good, Nick. Uh, thanks for, for having me back on. Um, you know, keep, basketball is keeping me sane these days. So <laughs> anytime I can get on a podcast and talk hoops with the No Ceilings crew, I'm, I'm there. It makes me uh, balanced with my day-to-day operations. How about yourself, sir? How are we doing?
0: Well, it's certainly the closest to sane that I'm going to get when I'm talking about <laughs> basketball stuff. So, you know, I'll, I'll take what I can get.
1: <laughs> exactly, right?
0: Yeah. So let's dive into our subject of today's Deep Dives episode. So you recently wrote the latest article in your Around the World series on a prospect who... I don't know. I felt very strange about I've been really high on at times this season. I've been a bit more pessimistic at times this season. But he's certainly someone who has an intriguing package of tools. And that's really where to begin with Ryan Repair, who was the subject of your latest Around the World. So I want to just sort of briefly get an overview from you. So generally speaking, why did you want to write about Repair for this latest article? And what did you see from him when you dove deep on the film for the New Zealand Breakers Way?
1: Yeah, you know, everyone's been fascinated about Victor Wiminyama as the top international guy. And, and I've been kind of waiting for that next guy to make that statement, to make that leap and kind of get everybody excited in the draft community. And Rupert was a a, a name that was buzzing before the season started overseas, um, was a really touted French prospect, um, made the announcement he was going to go play with the New Zealand breakers of the NBL and it got some people excited. And you're talking about a six 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 seven wing, really lengthy. He's got a reported 7'3", wingspan, a lot of fun tools on both sides of the ball. Um, I even joked in, in my article, I was like, this isn't the same old spiel of the, the defensive <laughs> specialist with the shot that's developing. I mean, yes, he is going to be that, but there's a lot of upside all over the place for this to be a special talent. And repair i thought was going to be the guy that started making some buzz i thought he was going to start making a serious charge up some boards um and then he had a wrist injury which kind of sidelined him for a while and i was like okay when he comes back i think this is going to be the guy that you know we get comfortable with the draft season of like okay we start to get a feeling for all these prospects and where they should be and then we fascinate with the new and i thought when repair came back if he started to put together some solid performances this was going to be the guy that really made a charge. And um, I think Jeremy Wu, which sports illustrated, we recently had on the No Ceilings podcast for Home and Away or our Draft Act, excuse me, Albert and Corey, but um Jeremy Wu had him up in the lottery. I think that got at the attention of a lot of people in, you know, the draft community. So repairs starting to buzz. Um, he's starting to get the attention of a lot of people and That was just why I wanted to write about him before that is I thought he was the guy that needs to be focused on when it comes to international prospects.
0: It's interesting because the last time you were on deep dives, we talked about probably the other prominent international player besides Victor, of course, who, you know, we were thinking maybe might pop in Nikola Juricic. And it's interesting because they have exceptionally different games Mm -hmm. and thus, you know, you're looking at them as draftable prospects for very different reasons. But You know, I do want to circle back to something that you put in the article slightly below your quote, which I was going to quote directly before you paraphrased it. So, you know, thank you for cutting me off by two minutes (laughs) without having any idea that you were cutting me off. I really appreciate that. But, you know, there is a section that I wanted to get to here, which is basically where you did a side by side comparison of the first 16 games for a certain prospect in the NBL versus repairs first 16 games. And, you know, I looked at that stat line, that set of stat lines while I was editing the piece and you know I get to the bottom section. It's like player a looked a lot worse than player B. And then you get to the comparison at the bottom player. A was Uzman Jang who went 11th overall. So that kind of tracks with, you know, we having him as a lottery prospect, as you mentioned earlier, but it is really interesting to me because, you know, I tend to be someone who, I wouldn't say overvalues, but heavily values prospects who have played in professional leagues as opposed to playing college. And, you know, it's why I was so high on Nikola last year. It's why I was so high on Alperin Shangun the year that he came out. It's why I thought Luca was the clear number one prospect in his draft when he came out. You know, I tend to place a pretty high value on prospects being successful in professional leagues, you know, especially being successful in professional leagues as teenagers. And, you know, the thing with Usman Jang that I had him as a late second round guy until I went back and watched the second half of his, you know, NBL season last year. And it's remarkable just the difference that it made between, okay, here's an 18-year-old kid who looks lost out there versus, all right, you know, second half of the season starting to figure stuff out, starting to, you know, get the shot together a bit, starting to have more opportunities and more success with the ball in his hands. It's definitely a path that Rupert could take over the final stretch of the season in the NBL
1: it it's funny when i was writing that piece and i for everyone listening i always love like when nick gets to edit it because i know you're gonna do a good job and i know like also when i'm writing something i'm like okay i wonder if nick's gonna be fascinated with this if this is gonna be a good one he's gonna comment on this so thank you for that i appreciate you saying that but (laughs) well i'm writing the piece and in the middle i go wait what did jang do last year like at this point so i go back and look at the stats and i was like oh whoa that is interesting and you know I was right there with you, Nick. I'm, I'm the exact same mindset. Like I will always prefer, I love when guys are productive in college, but if you can have production in a professional league, whether it's, you know, the G league or overseas, just anywhere going against guys, much older that, that really tells something. Um, And and I think that's where I'm at the point, like Jang last year, his first half of the season, and he go back and we said it, on a lot of No Ceilings podcasts, I think the whole team said it. And every draft, if you ask an analyst around there, they're going to agree. It was a disaster of a first half of the season. I mean, it was just a guy who was lost. I had asked scouts around the NBA. I was like, what are your thoughts about Zhang? There's like the guys in a different world right now. And then all of a sudden, just the light clicked. And it was just like, whoa, okay. This is the guy that everyone was hoping to see. And then you see right now, repair stats are a little bit better but the percentages are a little higher the confidence is starting to really come together and then he just had um he just had one of his best games against uh melbourne united he had like 12 points on five or six shooting it was just you're starting to see that the confidence is rolling and i think the breakers do a good job of not over you know not throwing too much at a young kid that's trying to adjust to playing in in this league. And I think they get to one point in the year, and They're like, okay, let's up the minutes a little bit. Let's let them run. Let's get them some, some experience. And I think that's going to happen with repair this year. I think we're going to get to a point in the season where they're like, all right, let's, let's let him run. Let's let him run wild. Let's, let's see what we got. And he's just doing some really impressive stuff. And, and his last game was probably one of his best games of the year, but he's starting to put the pieces together. And if you just, you're seeing all these flashes in different areas, which I know we're going to break down as game, but it's, it's scary to imagine all of those flashes are actually like coming together. It's a, it's a raw ball of clay right now. And, and you're seeing all these flashes and you're like, Whoa, this doesn't look like just a defensive specialist. This looks like a guy that might be a, a really damn good player on both sides of the ball. So I'm excited to see. So that's actually
0: a perfect way to transition into what I wanted to talk about next, which was the thing that, there you go, you nailed it. Uh, The thing that stands out to me most with repair, you know, you mentioned at the top of the article, and again, I'm going to, you know, paraphrase it because I didn't get to directly quote it because you cut me off. But, you know, (laughs) the idea of him being, you know, lengthy wing, great athleticism, defensive potential needs to work on the shot. It's like, okay, you know, that's a profile that's relatively common, the first thing that stands out to me as being very different from that profile is him with a ball in his hands. I mean, every, you know, you mentioned the flashes every once in a while, he just drives to the rim. Like you would expect, you know, you'd expect the point guard to drive to the rim. And he's a six, seven dude with ridiculous length. And, you know, he gets all the way to the rim and, you know, a layup that would be contested for a smaller guard is just completely wide open for him because he just stretches his arms out above everybody else and gets to the basket that way. And That's, I think, you know, the reason why I had him in the first for most of the year, and the reason why I don't think there's a, I think there's a decent chance that I will move him back into the first by the time we, you know, get to draft night or even earlier than that, honestly. But that's what really stands out to me is different from that archetype is his handle and how good he is at you know, getting looks for himself at the basket, that's, you know, not something that you see that often from that particular prototype. It's usually just, they get the ball and you hope that they can make that developing outside shot, but, you know, you don't want that guy trying to drive to the basket with repair. That's, you know, one of the skills that he has that could definitely be the primary factor in what he turns out to be as an NBA player, because if he can build on those flashes, then that's a lot scarier than just your typical defensive specialist who you hope develops a shot.
1: And, and it's everyone has the same reaction when they hear this, you know, type of car salesman pitch when it comes to repair or, or, or three <laughs> and D specialists. If you want to hear it, you're like, all right, here's a lengthy wing and the shots coming around and everyone moans and groans and they're like, Oh gosh. Okay. We've, we've heard this story before, but, it's right what you're saying, Nick, like you see him with the ball in his hands and he does some stuff. You're like, whoa, 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 hold on a second. I wasn't ready for this. And it, there's just some crazy stuff. And he's got some quickness and speed in which I still think he's realizing how fast he is with the ball in his hands. Cause he sometimes goes zero to hundred and he's like, whoa, I can even go another gear. And sometimes it's out of control, but you can tell it's adjusting because then all of a sudden later in the game, he's playing with pace and and changing gears and setting up defenders there's some good hesitations and like you say he can get to the basket finish around with length and and with touch like there's just some whoa okay there's this isn't just the okay if the shot comes around this is a three and d guy this looks like a guy that's like no if the shot consistently comes around this might be an offensive force with some of the stuff he can do and there's just a lot of really fun stuff that's really coming together and he'll put it on the ground and, and you know, hit pull up jumpers off the move, off the elbows, like he comes off of screens. He's just doing a little bit of everything. And I'm really excited. And I think I'm right there with you. I had him as like a first round guy. I had him as a late first round guy after doing his deep dive and kind of seeing how everything's coming together. It's like, okay, we might need to start having a conversation about him going up now because the stats aren't going to be there. I mean, for everyone that's going to be box score chasing or chasing stats the whole year, you're not going to get it with repair because they're just on a, they have a bigger picture. They're developing a, a talent and they're trying to get him to play the right way. And he's playing in a tough league. Um, but if you're looking at the long-term potential, teams are going to be seeing it and teams are going to be really excited.
0: I always use De'Aaron Fox as my go-to here. So I'm going to go with a different player to switch things up. It's, you know, the kind of thing where, I felt like every once in a while I would see this with Jaden Ivy film, where it's like he's just so fast that every once in a while he puts on the afterburn. And he's like, wait, I could actually get all the way to the rim. Like, I don't need to, you know, I don't need to your step around, guys. I don't need to, you know, try and pull some crafty finish. I can, no, I can just hit the afterburners and dunk all over this dude. And, you know, every once in a while you see that with repair. And, you know, the other thing too is, you know, again, the difference between him being a six, 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 seven wing with a ridiculous wingspan versus, you know, being a smaller guard is, you know, those finishes that might be contested layups through the big turn out to be, you know, no, he just reaches over the guy. And, you know, that's the kind of thing where you combine that with his speed and, you know, we'll get into it in a bit, but, you know, with more opportunities with the ball in his hands, hopefully we see more of his playmaking game and playmaking potential. But you know, with him just crashing to the basket is one thing, but I mean, if he puts together, you know, again, and this is where I reference Deer and Fox all the time and will now use Jaden Ivey instead just for, you know, the hell of it. But, you know, the idea being that a lot of the concern about Jaden Ivey was what does this guy do when he gets forced off the three-point line but can't get all the way to the basket, right? And, you know, that's kind of what you mentioned with the pull-ups with repair. You know, maybe the numbers don't look great, especially given that, the first 16 games are going to be part of the numerical calculation, you know, even if he has a much hotter second half of the season, but I don't know. It's like sometimes these young players, you know, have the first gear and then it takes them a while to figure out how to shift to all the gears in between. And with repair, it feels like I see a lot of first gear and a lot of sixth gear, you know, it's like, he'll have very methodical drives to, you know, the mid range where he might get a fadeaway, or, you know, sort of, Get close ish to the basket, try a lay in, and then there'll be times where he just blows by everybody. And, you know, I really would love to see more of the intermediate speeds for Jade and Ivy and also for repair, you know, a little, little further down the line in terms of development.
1: I, Completely agree. And something I saw with him that, you know, this is still a guy that's 18 years old and, and something that I saw with him that I loved. And I feel like the last episode, when we, me and you talked about Juricic, I think we mentioned mature, the word mature, like 48 times. We set a record <laughs> on podcast. but um, something I saw with repair that I, really impressed me and showed some maturity on the court was he had a lot of drives where he would try to blow by a guy and couldn't get around the corner. Just, it was great defense. And he just, brought it out and and just like, okay, all right. I don't need to force this. I don't need to force this contested layup. Let me bring it out. Let's run our offense. And like three of the times on tape off the top of my head, he got the ball back for wide open three. Like, it, so it was just that process of being like, okay, I pushed the ball up. I made the defense react to me. Let me back it out, set up our offense. And they ran a pick and roll dish it out to him in the corner. He hits a wide open three. And it, it just, that goes to show you also some maturity of uh, an eighteen-year-old realizing, like, hey, I, I can go to the basket and probably finish over this guy, you know, contested, but I don't need to. I mean, I can bring it out and play smart and let's get a good shot. And um, I just think there's a lot of stuff that's that's quickly coming together that might not show up on the box score all the time, but you can just see on the on the floor that he's playing the game the right way and he's taking the right steps in the in the right direction when it comes to his development.
0: Speaking of taking steps in the right direction with his development, let's move on to talking about his shot now.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And it's funny because, you know, because you sort of mentioned up top the Uzman Chang comparison, yes. you know, his three-point shooting numbers look better in comparison because they're standing alongside someone who had an even worse time of it. But I think the difference there really is that, you know, Jang was seen as someone who maybe could be a shooter, whereas Repair was someone who... You know, in FIFA play was basically just, you know, being given tons of room because nobody expected him to shoot at all. And that's something that he slowly added in. I mean, you mentioned the last game against Melbourne United. He, He hit a three off the dribble in that game, right? That's not something I expected to see in his developmental path anytime soon. That being said, the percentage is still an issue. And, you know, yes, there's the, you know, developmental idea of, okay, maybe the stats aren't there, but the shot looks like it's coming along. The flip side of that, as you know, we did mention repeatedly in the Jurisic podcast, along with using the word maturity seven billion times, is the idea that you know, okay, at some point, you know, if you're hitting ten percent like Churisich was when when we recorded that podcast, you know, or in in Repair's case, you know, still twenty seven percent, you know, that's a whole different world from twenty seven percent to ten percent. But I don't know. I mean, that's the kind of thing where. Yes, it's great that he's knocking down his free throws at an 82% rate. Yes, it's great that he's you know working on that three-point shot, getting more comfortable taking it. But ultimately, I mean, given the flashes we've seen from him, he'll need to be more consistent somewhere rather than just showing flashes. And if the shot can do that thing, great. But I mean, at a certain point, you know, how much do you want to bank on the continued improvement and the form looking better versus the fact that, you know at some point it's just not going down
1: yeah and when i wrote the article he was averaging 6.5 points per game in 18.5 minutes with shooting splits of 35 26 82 and they've played a couple games since then and and he's he's on the right track he's climbing so now his shooting splits are 39 and 35 from 3 so he's he's going in the right direction you want to see if he somehow ends the year where He's getting that three-point percentage around 40% on a, a large sample because he's playing limited minutes some games. And um, he's not always a guy that's gonna take a ton of shots, too. He comes in, he plays tough defense, he does his role, he he understands it. But um I I'm right there with you. I think the shot is really coming along in, in a serious way, and that's coming from Um, I I remember this summer, me and uh, Metcalf on the No Ceilings pod, we were talking about his play in FIBA with France. And he looked like a guy that had a lot of special tools, especially on the defensive side of the ball. But he was like, okay, is the shot going to be taking that next step next year? And how far it's come from then to now is remarkable. Like it's just beautifully developing. It's really, really coming on the right path and and you brought up the point about like him dribbling, um, hitting some threes off the dribble. Like, yeah, he's showcasing he's showcasing confidence now to shoot it in a variety of ways. It doesn't have to just be catch and shoot. Like he's had a couple games on film where he's he's dribbling it up. He's taking pull-up threes. He's coming off of screens. He's willing to shoot that pull-up three, that gather three off the bounce. And you're just it's everything you want to see from a developmental perspective of like, okay, now the catch and shoot got some confidence. Now everything else, he's willing to shoot it. He's not he's not afraid if he's wide open. He's just like, okay, fine, I'm taking it. And you love to see that with a young kid who, you know, we're, we'll talk about his frame. He's lengthy. He needs to put on weight. He knows it. You could see it on film that they know... That, I, I will talk about it later, but they literally try to run him through every screen in the world. Cause he's just a pest and they know how skinny he is, but once his body develops and once he gets some upper body strength, I think that that shot, that percentage is only going to get better.
0: I mean, as the partial free throw truther, I do have to mention that the 82% from the line is very encouraging, but yes, I mean, the other thing is, you know, we talk about this all the time, right? There's a huge difference in just being confident with the shot versus, you know, maybe you're a slightly better shooter percentage wise, but if you're not going to let it fly when you're, when you get the ball and you're open from beyond the arc, then that doesn't really help a team spacing all that much. If, you know, I will go back to the Rajon Rondo. Well, this time, because that's, you know, an easy one to make, right? It's like, okay, great. You hit 37% of the two wide open threes. You took every game that you decided not to try and, you know, pass directly into an assist. Right. It's like, Okay, sure, that's, you know, nice to get that every once in a while, but in terms of the actual positive impact that it has on a team spacing, you know, you could easily argue that someone who's shooting 30% but taking five attempts per game is going to help the team a lot more because, you know, if you're just getting those shots wide open, then, you know, the defense isn't committing to you, right? There's no... (laughs) there's no defensive pressure if they're just expecting you to pass the ball up every time you're open from deep, as opposed to with repair. It's like, okay, he hits it often enough, especially you know, now that he's up that percentage slightly, he hits it often enough that we at least have to pay attention to him out there, right? And that's the kind of thing that you know gets a defense in rotation as opposed to just, eh, he's wide open, we'll let him have it.
1: And there's consistency now with his shot. Like his shooting form is showing – consistency where it's like he's doing the same thing every time and now you're seeing like he has a plenty of catch and shoot confident quick and it's nothing but net like he's showcasing that it can become something you have to defend him out there you can't just leave him wide open and his teammates are also hunting him now like you'll see their their point guard runs pick and rolls they're he's going down right down the lane and he's throwing kickouts to the corner because he knows repair is wide open and he's like oh yeah that's a good shot for us and Um, it's just a welcoming development because now you're seeing you're also seeing he's hitting those shots and they were closing on him hard, and he understands now, like, okay, now I can attack, I can I can hit that elbow jumper, I can go to the rim, and he also has shown some playmaking flashes. So you're starting to see a multi-level scorer develop. We all we all of a sudden thought this is gonna be this defensive lockdown guy that maybe could turn into a three-point shooter, and it's like, no, there's other areas of his game that are just oozing and and waiting to rise, rise to the surface.
0: So let's transition to talking about him in transition. And that's one of the areas where it's easiest to see where the athletic tools pop. You know, it's like sometimes he puts on the afterburners when he's got the ball in his hands. Okay, great. But really when you see him, You know, showcasing all of his tools to the best of their abilities is when he's running the floor in transition and there's just nothing you can do to to stop the guy. I mean, not nothing. I mean, he's skinny enough that you can force him away from the basket if you get someone there in time. But the problem is getting someone there in time and he's faster than pretty much everybody his size and, you know, not bigger body strength wise, but you know, bigger length wise than, you know, anybody who's going to be able to keep up with him foot speed wise. And the easiest way to see that is just when he's getting open in transition and just ruining opposing defenses days.
1: He's uh, he's got the need for speed for sure. Um, The only thing I will say is he he's starting to realize what he can do and what he can't do. I still think he's trying to figure out like, I have this lethal speed. I need to figure out the, like you said earlier, like, oh, he has the first gear and the sixth gear. He needs to figure out two through five because in transition, he'll have some opportunities and he tries to get, you know, some euros or some step throughs and he gets an extra step and they call him for traveling. And I think he, he sees it on his face right away. He's like, okay, like, come on. Like, it's almost like he, his, his, his mind knows what he's wanting to do but his body's got to catch up to speed and sometimes he's going out of control too fast sometimes he calms down and he it's beautiful but it's like in a weird way you love to see that because it's like he's he's messing up but he's trying stuff and it's like okay that's there he's just got to keep having reps and keep trying it and i i really do believe it's just the, a kid that's realizing like, oh gosh i can do this on the court now i gotta figure out how to master it and when all of that comes together and things start to slow down and he figures out how to use those gears because he's showcased, he can do it. It's just doing it consistently. But um, I love when he makes mistakes because it's, it's the right mistake. It's just, he's got to get reps of doing it. And it's almost like a guy that has been working on something in practice new and just tries it in the game. And he's like, okay, that didn't work out like I wanted it to, but I just got to keep practicing. So the speed is legit. Um, When he's shown flashes of, beautiful hesitations to set up guys that are under control and you're like yes like if you had them in the film room you'd be like yes more of this keep doing this but he's also had instances where guys try to go stride for stride with him and he just blows by them because he's got that ability to to have that elite top end speed he's just got to figure out a way to master it and and understand how to use various speeds on the basketball court
0: I talked about this recently, just throwing back to the last draft cycle, actually, that one of the reasons that I was as high on Alondis Williams as I was is because in that Wake Forest offense, he had the full control to try basically anything. And, you know, sometimes it ended up in passes going into the fourth row. And other times it ended up in, you know, incredible passes made through really tight windows that if he hadn't had the confidence to say, screw it, I'm just going to go for it, you know, that's Two points that are taken off the board because he's not willing to go for it there, and you know, Rich Repair. First of all, obviously he doesn't have the ball in his hands as much as Alondis Williams did. I mean, honestly, very few, very few non-NBA superstars get the ball in their hands as much as Alondis had it at Wake Forest last year. But you know, the reason for that is you know when you give the keys to the offense to someone who has the kind of athletic tools that Alondas Williams has, or in this case, the kind of athletic tools that Repair has, you know you see that mistake happen and Metcalf and I used to talk about this all the time with Devin Booker and Zach Levine, right? Like if you let the young guy make enough of those mistakes, eventually he's going to get to the point, you know, it's pattern recognition at a certain point, right? Like, okay, I've seen this play four times already because, you know, I was, given the ball in a high pick and roll. And this is what the defense did. And, you know, the first three times I tried to force my way through the defense and it did work the fourth time I kicked out to the corner. So, okay. Fifth time around, I'm going to kick it out to the corner. Cause that was, that's what works. And if you don't have those reps with the ball in your hands, you're not going to, you know, get that experience in trying to see those windows as a play creator and with repair, you know, it's similar to what we've already talked about with, you know, him, slowly getting comfortable sort of switching between gears as opposed to just full speed or no speed, right? But, you know, that's the kind of thing, too, where the fact that he's allowed to make these mistakes is hopefully going to mean that further down the line developmentally, you know, is the kind of thing where he's seen the situation before because he was allowed to see the situation before as opposed to just, you know, he tries to make a read and the coach says, nope, you're pulling you out of the game, sending you to the bench because that was, you know, that was too much. He's not... Hopefully he can get enough of those opportunities that you know he'll have those pattern recognition moments where okay this is something I've seen before this is how I counter it.
1: I think you can't grow unless you mess up. Like if you don't try something, you're never going to be able to learn it, and that's exactly what it's like with an 18 year old in the NBL. I think the Breakers are showing they have such a good understanding of how important confidence is to to a young talent. Like we saw with Jang last year, he was just struggling, but they weren't they weren't overfeeding his minutes. They were trying to, you know, install some confidence. And when it was time for him to get more minutes, because all of a sudden things were clicking and he was feeling better. Then they, they gave him more minutes and and you're seeing that with repair. Like if he didn't get hurt, we might've been talking about him a month or month and two ago of being like, Whoa, he's really starting to click. Cause he was starting to, to, to come alive and really show some stuff. And then he just had that wrist injury and was out. And I want to say like a month or so. Um, but it just came back and, and just had his best game. So all of a sudden he's starting to really roll. And, and I think this is only going to be the start. You know, I think he's going to continue to get more playing time and maybe we get more on ball reps because he's shown some stuff with the ball in his hands when it comes to running the pick and roll and making the right reads like beautiful playmaking flashes. I think they'll install a little bit more of that th- as the year goes on. But it's one of the most important things when it comes to development, you, you have to put guys in situations where they're not comfortable because you need to make them comfortable. If they're going to try to take that next step in their basketball careers, they need to learn how it is before you get thrown in the fire and you have no experience. And, and if that happens at the NBA level and you don't know what you're doing, they're going to be like, all hey, right, get out. Like we got a guy on the bench that knows exactly how to do that. So um, I think that's what a lot of people don't understand about, you know, or, or we don't, appreciate maybe we overlook and get frustrated with when it comes to developmental prospects is we want them to put up 20 a night and sometimes that's not the best thing for their development sometimes they need to you know learn how to run the pick and roll the right way for a couple of weeks and and have some growing pains there then you need to learn how to come off a screen and make a decision the right way it's just a lot of little stuff that once everything starts slowing down it, it really can make a difference for the player
0: So let's now move on to the highlight part of the Ryan repair experience. So first of all, very glad that you made a New York is the city that never sleeps reference. I very much appreciated that, but I do want to sort of say that the reason that I had him in my first round for the majority of this draft cycle so far is because of the defense. And I mean, that's the kind of thing where, you know, Honestly, he needs to do more than just be a defender to stay on an NBA court. I mean, that's you know abundantly obvious, but you know, just just to sort of state the obvious to get it out of the way here. But man, I mean, you know, there's flashes on the offensive end, but the defense is really where you know if you're going to do the sell me on Ryan Repair, you know, the the defense is really going to be the part of his game that's you know, first of all, the most NBA ready right now, but you know, second of all, the place where It's more consistent, I think, than the offense. You know, the offensive end is like you're seeing flashes. You're getting excited about the flashes. The defensive end is where you're like, wow, this guy could be something really special sooner rather than later.
1: I'm still trying to, like, bottle up the excitement I have about his defense of upside. and
0: Don't. Go hawk wild. That's what you're here for. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, okay, we're 30 minutes in. All right, all right. So I can go for, like, 20 minutes on defense. I mean, it is so much fun for everyone listening. Like, it is – it's legit. Um. It's funny because I feel like off camera after I did a podcast with Metcalf, I tried to like talk to him about it, and I was like, I don't know how to explain it, but I was like, there's all NBA defensive stuff, but it's it has to come together, it has to slow down. It's just like a it's a puzzle piece that's a ton of you just have to get the pieces together because when there's some flashes, it's unbelievable. You could tell he wants to just ruin people's lives on the defensive side of the ball which is so awesome his feet are like on fire all the time he never sl- sleep away from the ball he's like bouncing around like a boxer like looking around it's just like a a little kid who's like had an energy drink for the first time in his life he just doesn't know what to do he's just got all this energy it's
0: like Albert when he has an energy drink for the first time in 10 exactly. years exactly
1: shout out Albert but no, no I I just watch repair on defense and he he picks you up full court and like this isn't Patrick Beverly picking you up full court at six one, six two. This is 6'7", with a seven three wingspan picking you up full court. He makes you work. He just looks like he'd be a disaster to have to deal with all night because you just would get the ball in bounds, you know, turn around. And there's a like a spider like literally guarding you, and you're just like, Great, sweet. I have this for 48 minutes, but he's got great feet. He can get play, he can get horizontal quick, like he can change directions fast. And I think this is the biggest part of his defensive game that impressed me is he makes mistakes and it's fast and he knows how to quickly figure out where he's supposed to be. Like he'll be in a pick and roll set. He'll get kind of stuck up on a screen, but he'll just whip his head around and be like, okay, the pass is potentially right here. And like, as he turns his head around, he just puts his hand up and it's like, he knows where the ball's going no matter what, right before it's even thrown. And it's just like that awareness where, when he gets more reps and figures out how to get through, you know, how to play the right angles. And I'm not saying he doesn't right now, but he's, he's getting away sometimes with just his length and, and understanding where to be. If like he does get caught up, he's putting himself in the right position away from the ball and he'll read some plays before they even happen. Um, I, he was, he was, like opposite corner and they ran a high pick and roll and he literally started sliding to the corner before the point guard even took like the second dribble and then threw a pass and repair was just standing right there it's like the point guard was like where the hell did that guy come from so it's just there's some stuff that's really rare for an 18 year old that if he can put everything together and he just keeps getting reps and keeps playing that hard there's there's some stuff for him to be a, a pest at the next level he's got the ability to be a really special talent but he's got to build some some strength because um i have a fun clip i'm going to tweet eventually throughout the draft cycle but there's a play where they run him through like six screens the offense because they're just so tired of this guy (laughs) like repairs just being a pest he's smothering the ball and they're just like all right let's let's run him through a bunch of physical screens let's get this guy exhausted and that's just the effect he has he he's a he's becoming a game wrecker and if that offensive side also comes around with it it's gonna be a special talent
0: Certainly if the offensive side comes around, he's going to be a special talent. But I mean, even if it doesn't, there's just so much on the defensive end that is remarkable. And, you know, it's funny because definitely it seems like his, you know, awareness of the game and understanding of where to be is much further ahead on the defensive end than it is on the offensive end. And, you know, that's why, as you mentioned up top, you know, a lot of people are going to say, oh, okay, here we go again. Another long athletic wing with defensive potential, blah, 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 blah. But it's like, you know, the thing with, repair and this is you know i do want to sort of circle back to this because this is an interesting thing for me is you know yeah he does need to get stronger to be able to fight around screens but you know one of the players who repair reminds me of the most at least at this point in his development is you know and you're going to like this as an arizona guy but Ronda hellish jefferson yeah, who was yeah. someone who I think was extraordinarily underrated during his time with the Nets. I mean, he was just an absolute defensive menace and, you know, unfortunately the offensive game didn't really come around enough to the point where he sort of established himself as a long-term NBA guy. But, you know, I think that (laughs) that's the kind of thing where, you know, even if repair doesn't really develop the way we want him to on offense. I mean, Rondé Hollis Jefferson was a very solid NBA player for, you know, half a decade between Brooklyn, uh, Toronto and Portland where, you know, Toronto importantly sort of fell off the radar a bit, but those Brooklyn years, I mean, if you're thinking about taking repair, you know, end of the first round, early second round, that's, where Hollis Jefferson went, you know, he went 23rd, and that's pretty good value for the 23rd pick in the draft. And that's just if the offensive game doesn't come around at all, right? That's just purely on the basis of the defense.
1: I mean, I, th- I think we're looking at a Ronde Hollis Jefferson with three level scoring, which you're like, okay, we, we just, you know, as Nick brought up, that's a Ronde goes 23rd. Where were we to put this? Like, if you told me Ronde all of a sudden could score at three levels, that's another galaxy that we're talking. We're talking like, okay, is that a lottery guy? Because if if we look down the road and repairs becoming this elite defender that he looks like he's about to become, um, his body fills out, he's shooting around 40% from three, he's showcasing some playmaking stuff, he's showcasing he can do some stuff in transition. I mean, that's a conversation to have. And and there's plenty of place uh, prospects in this 23 class that we're really excited about in the top 10. But I think we get to a point, uh, evaluators, fans, if you're serious about the draft grind, you get to a point in this class that where you start going, okay, this is the area where some guys could come start creeping up. And I think Rupert is going to all of a sudden, if you know he just had a strong game, he had 12 points. If he starts putting those together, we might be having a conversation of like, hey, repairing the lottery, why not? And, and it was funny because I, I'm not saying we're trendsetters. I would never say that but it was just like i was watching you never say that
0: would you really never say that
1: i would never say that um i was watching repair and i was like someone will fall in love with this upside like this is the guy this is the upside swing nba teams drool of because of the length the size the tools the potential that are just untapped and then when jeremy woo shout out jeremy um put out that mock draft of him going 13th i was like all right so something's happening And, and this is the time of the year you start hearing some buzz. And I've heard that isn't a crazy you know, statement with how repairs viewed around the league. So that's why I was excited with the timing. I got lucky with the timing I wrote this and I think he's going to keep buzzing. I think he's going to be a name that's just starts creeping up towards that lottery because of the tools and the upside we're talking about.
0: So I do want to sort of interrogate that quickly okay. Now, where do you? So first, no, I'm yeah, okay, fine. Uh, all right. Well, thank you all for listening. <laughs> <Don't
1: laughs> um, Go with it, Nick. Come on.
0: I want to know where you have him on your board right now, because all right, let me look. Okay, because I have him forty-one, and that's a very significant drop from where I've had him most of the season. And you know, honestly, I think a lot of that is just guys jumping him rather than me feeling like, oh, you know, I'm. I don't know. I mean, there were stretches where I was definitely disappointed and obviously him falling from first round to, you know, in the forties is a pretty steep drop, but I don't know. I mean, it's hard for me to have him that low, but I also feel like, you know, I don't know. I'm finding it difficult to see a world where I boost him into the lottery in this class. But I think there's also a world where, you know, and I've said this multiple times about Julian Phillips, but, you know, there's a world where we look back on this draft in five years and say, wait, how the hell did he go, you know, fill in where he actually gets drafted, right? And that's, you know, that's where I really struggle with it is like, you know, there are some guys who like Colby Jones, I don't think I'm going to be upset with where I have him. And, you know, if he ends up being a top 10 talent in this class, I was like, okay, you know, there was there were reasons to think that he had the potential to be a really productive guy. But if, you know, if I think that he's a solid late first, early second guy, and he ends up going earlier than that and is a good pick at like 13, you know, that's the kind of thing where, okay, you know, I see that I get it right with repair. Like, I don't know. It's like, if I am a team in the late first and there are a bunch of guys I might want to take a chance on, you know, he's probably pretty high up that list, but Lottery is rich for me. And I think he's going to have to do a lot down the stretch of the season for me to feel tempted to put him in that basket, given the rest of this class.
1: So I'm right there with you. I completely agree. Um Rupert seems like a guy that if he goes in the lottery, it's going to be someone saying we love him too much. We're not risking like, you know, we're, we're, we're in love with them. We don't care. Um, We're not going to risk trading back four spots to try to draft them later. Like we just, you go get him. you go get your guys. What I always say. So which um, side
0: note is basically what the thunder did with. He was last season.
1: Exactly. It, and the thunder did that with Jalen Williams. They were like, Hey, no, this is our guy. We got him. So some teams I think will be like, Hey, we love repair. We don't care where we're drafting him. Um, I had him, I haven't updated my board. I promise. I had him at 21 on our last, um, installment looking at my board now. Um, lottery would be rich for me i've got some guys i need to move up i've got some guys move down but I, like i have colby jones late teens early 20s that's probably the area that i'm going back and forth when it comes to like trying to move repair into the top 20 but there's some guys that are ahead of them that i really really like so like that that's just this draft class you're getting into some territory where I would be in the exact same boat as you. I would be like, Hey, uh, I'll be fine. If I have him there and he goes much earlier, I'm completely fine with that. I I would sleep like a baby still, but he's just one of these guys. I think NBA front offices are going to be extremely high on because front offices love the chase potential. They love the guys that aren't fully developed. and, And that's why they obsess over youth prospects. If you're 18 and, I think he's going to be turning 19 right before the draft. So repair is going to probably have plenty of uh, fans in front offices and they're going to see an unfinished product that they're just waiting to unlock. And um, that's just one of those guys. I always feel like there's a guy that gets drafted without the production. I feel repair could be at the top of that list.
0: And I mean, sometimes those guys are Giannis and sometimes those guys are Jared Culver, right? Exactly.
1: Exactly. (laughs) Too soon. No, I'm just kidding. Still too soon. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: But no, I mean, you know, I guess where I'm at with it is like, I'm pretty confident that, you know, first of all, I'm pretty confident that I'm going to have him higher than 41st by the time we get to the end of the draft cycle. But second of all, and more to the point, I think that, you know, of all the players on my board, he is one of the guys who has the highest chances of just going way ahead of where he is on my board. And I'm just going to be comfortable with that, right? It's like, I'm not, you know, fully bought in enough to bump him as high as where he's probably going to go because a team is probably just, you know, going to take a swing on him somewhere. And, you know, I tend to be someone who thinks that, you know, picks 20 through 30, you know, a lot of the times are playoff teams. You need one more guy for their rotation. And, you know, either you take a home run swing there, or you take sort of a solid single slash double. And I tend to, you know, in most cases, prefer the solid single slash double, because usually that's a team that just needs one or two more guys. And it you know, better to just get that guy rather than say, okay, we're going to take a wild swing and see where it works out. The flip side of that, of course, is, you know, if you're a team that's like, you know, say a fifth seed ish team, and you just need one more star, right? Like your rotation is fully fleshed out, you know, the Grizzlies are better than this, but, you know, you could argue that say the Grizzlies like two years ago, not two years ago, but you know, the Grizzlies before, you know, the past couple of years where they've been much better than that, but, you know, okay, we need one more star guy to have alongside John Morant, you know, and we have like 11 guys in our rotation and two more guys in the G league that we really like, maybe that's the team that, you know, okay, go ahead take the swing on a superstar, but I don't know. It's like I feel like repair is going to be one of those swings. And if it's a swing by, you know, a lottery team that's going to have, you know, playing time and room for him to grow, then I might not be comfortable with him going that high. But that might actually end up better for him than he goes in the 20s to a playoff team that wants him to contribute sooner rather than later and he doesn't get the developmental time he needs. Right. The flip side of that, of course, is, you know, if he goes to a team where, you know, okay your first year in the league, you're going to be a 10, 15 minute a game defensive specialist. And we let your shot come along slowly. We let your playmaking game come along slowly. Maybe that is the best situation for him. But, you know, I feel like he's going to need a lot of minutes, especially, you know, his first couple years to develop into the kind of player that we hope he can be. And, you know, it's going to be a matter of where he's going to get those minutes and where they're going to be the most useful for him.
1: I, I, you put that beautifully. I love that. Because I, I really do think... He's gonna be a swing. It's just depending on what type of swing you're gonna take. Um, if teams are getting in towards the end of the lottery and they're not in love with like a potential star upside, they might be like, "Hey, Rupaire is a worthy swing for us because he could become something special." Um, if a team has the luxury of like, "Hey, we're on the climb. Um, well, we we're like you said, the, we're a fifth or sixth seed, but we need one more guy that potentially like we draft this guy and all of a sudden he clicks and we're like." Okay, now we're really cooking with some stuff. You know, maybe Rupaire is viewed as that, you know, that connecting star piece. Like if you want to put it that way. We everyone views connectors in different ways. I think if you get a connector, you're drafting an unbelievable asset. And I think Rupaire could be that. Because if you if you put him on a team where he doesn't need to be the offensive focus, he doesn't need to be the first or second guy, but you add him on early and you're like, hey, be a spot up guy, attack the rim when you can, play great defense. You got something special. Um, And then if you get, I mean, if you get to a point in the first round and Rupert was on the board, I think you'd be doing backflips in the war room. If you're a certain team, because it's just a really special upside, but I'd love for him to go to a team that is patient and is doing exactly what the breakers are doing right now. Like install confidence, be patient. Like we saw shade and sharp with the, the trailblazers this year. They're slow it down, bringing it, bringing them along the right way. They're not forcing them to, to be playing extended minutes all the time and growing pains. Like you can live with growing pain. So you never know. And this is also a guy that ends up somehow going to the thunder and the thunder just keep adding riches to the roster. So there's a lot of fun teams that this guy could go to. Um, and I just think repair is going to be a special talent that everyone knows Victor's probably going to be another one pick, but now we're at a point like, okay, who's next? You know, James Najee, Nikola Juricic have been the guys that have got some early season buzz. And I think Rupert is the one now. I think Rupert is the guy that's going to be potentially the, I mean, looking at my thing, unless I'm forgetting someone, I think he's going to be the second international guy off the board, probably.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's the third international guy on my board behind Wemby, obviously, and Juricic. But I think the odds of Rupert going first round are higher than the odds of Juricic going first yeah. round. Like, even though I personally am more bought in on Jurisic, I also recognize that, you know, the reason I buy into him is because I, you know, tend to fall in love with big men who can really pass and potentially shoot, whereas, you know, repair is a different kind of prospect. And therefore, you know, even if I might be more willing to take that bet on Jurisic late in the first round, I recognize that teams are going to, you know, go for the potential with repair and he's almost certainly going to be the second guy off the board, even if I might not be as comfortable with that as, you know, the evaluators that are taking it as the second international guy off the board.
1: Absolutely. I, I mean, I, we talked so much about Jurisic. I still love him. He's starting to play really good. His last four games, he's starting to like, okay, is this, here we go. He's on a dangerous path. Like this might be where it's starting to, to really cook. And I still love Jurisic with the size and the playmaking ability. I think there's just a feel for the game where he might have a, might have a safer floor if you want to put it that way, but yeah. I think repair has a higher ceiling. so um I don't know Well, People, nobody has any ceilings. We're no, yeah, ceilings. no uh, what am I talking about? <laughs> there's no ceilings, but there's just more upside with repair. um and and I think both of those guys, like the international class was becoming kind of a bummer. Um, if you asked me like a month and a half ago, and now all of a sudden it's like, okay, here we go. Like we're starting to get some some intrigue. You know, James Naji has had a couple big games and It's crazy with Najee because he he's playing in Euroleague, he's playing limited minutes. So when he has a big game, it's like counts for three because you're just like, whoa, okay, here we go. But then all of a sudden the next game he plays eight minutes and has two points. So it's just the it's February, or it's gonna be February this week. So we got to be February by the time this comes out. Yeah. When everyone's listening, February first. Congratulations. We're a month closer to the draft. But we got a while to go. We still got a couple months. We got March Madness, we got workouts, we got draft buzz we got overseas seasons getting done then those guys come work out we got a lot of stuff going forward but this is this is where we're starting to get exciting
0: all right. Anything else you want to talk about here before we wrap this one up?
1: No, I, I was, uh, I'll be honest. I was just having one of those days where just like everything was just lulling. And then I did this podcast and now I got all this energy. So Nick, thank you for saving my day. I appreciate it. Now I'm going to watch 10 hours of film. It's amazing how quickly these podcasts just inject life into me. So I'm back. Thank you, Nick, for, yeah. for bringing me out of uh zombie stage.
0: Well, wow. Well, again, kinder than I deserve, but happy to, happy to help here.
1: But, hey, um, Dick, you got a piece coming out this week at noceilingsmba.com. You go plug it for once. I don't want to plug my stuff. You plug your stuff.
0: Okay, great. Thank you for uh, preempting me for the second time today. Really appreciate that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, i like to keep you on your toes.
0: Yeah, well, you succeed. Um, yes, I do, in fact, have a piece that will be going up on com the day after you listen to this podcast. I'm doing a sleeper deep dive on Donovan Klingen, who is someone who doesn't get very much playing time, but when that dude steps on the court, you notice that that dude steps on the court. And he's someone who I've just had a ton of fun watching this season. You know, I watched a lot of UConn when I was writing about Jordan Hawkins earlier this year, and... You know, Klingon was one of the guys who stood out to me on that team. Was like, wait, why does this guy not get more minutes? So, I'm really excited to dive deeper into the film for him. He's someone who's been a lot of fun to sort of notice on the periphery of, you know, watching for other prospects. So, I'm really looking forward to that one.
1: That's gonna be a good one. I feel like I've got to do a ton of uh, film catching up, and uh, he's he's up there on my list. I feel like there's some no ceilings crew that's been a big fan, and so now I'm even more excited to read your piece because I need to get caught up on him.
0: All right. Well, thank you again for the comments to close it out. Appreciate that. <laughs> so he is Tyler Rucker. You can find him on Twitter at Tyler underscore Rucker at backcourt V or at no ceilings NBA, depending on which of his burners he's active on at the moment. And of course you can read his most recent around the world article on Ryan repair that is up on no ceilings NBA.com. And as always, you can find Rucker on the, Friday show with Tyler Metcalf. So please check out the No Ceilings NBA podcast network and check out that Friday show. If you've been enjoying the podcast, please take the time to leave a rating and or a review on whatever podcast player you might be using. That is always greatly appreciated on our end. And if you have any feedback on the deep dives portion of the podcast, feel free to reach out to me either via Twitter at NBA Johnson or email nickaj.nba at gmail.com. And as always, thanks so much for listening.